To begin with, let's open in prayer. Father, thank you for the opportunity to speak and to listen to your word. Truly is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Help us have ears to hear through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. One of my favorite lines from the original Star Wars movie is a line that Ben Obi-Wan Kenobi says, um, and see if you recognize it. He says, who's the more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows him? You can talk to me later about where that scene is in that movie. Well, I hope you're not a fool. And I especially hope that you're not following a fool, because according to Obi-Wan Kenobi, then maybe you're more foolish uh, than the fool. We're going to be looking at a parable, actually, that Jesus spoke. Uh, It's found in Luke chapter 12, beginning at verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. In some versions it says all greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool. This night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This word, uh, fool, it seems so kind of in your face and kind of blunt, Um, and I actually have to confess I have a sort of a personal problem with the word fool. I have, I have a vague memory from early in my childhood of when I was beginning in, to use this word and probably a lot of other words. And uh, I don't remember who I used it on. I don't remember who I called a fool. Very likely it was one of my brothers. Um, but I have this memory of my mother gently but very firmly telling me we don't use that word. That's just not something that's... And I got the impression whether it was intended or not, it's stuck with me all the way until now, that to call somebody a fool is essentially the same thing as cursing them out. And we just, we did not do that in our family at all. So when we talk about in this text, and we're, we're, we're talking about uh, the conviction of a fool, I just want you to know it's uncomfortable uh, for me to do that. But if I'm about preaching the word of God, 
And if you're about listening and receiving the word of God, we're just going to have to man up and deal with it because that's what Jesus does in this parable. So we don't want to shirk our responsibility on hearing with the word of God. Parables generally have one overarching point to them, and all the details in those parables serve that one point. So obviously the key is to look for that point in what Jesus was trying to, to say. And the point for this parable, which we call the parable of the rich fool, the point's painfully clear, really. You're a fool, if you prioritize investing for yourself over investing for God. Now, when I say investing, I'm talking about money, yes, but I'm talking about a much wider scope than money. When I talk about, when, when I talk about investing, I'm talking about our time, and how we use our, our energy. What is our focus in life? How we make decisions about key things. And obviously how we use our money and how we use the possessions that we have, great or small, flows out of all those things. So when we talk about investing, we're talking about investing them for God talking about how we use all of this, either for yourself or for God. That's the choice that the Lord Jesus lays out. And he says, once again, if you prioritize investing for yourself, you're a fool. It's not up to me to, to soften the word of God in any way. What I'd like to do is, is walk through four key reasons why that's actually true, why that actually bears out in real life, that investing and prioritizing investing for yourself over God is actually a very foolish thing to do. And these reasons are embedded right in the text, right in the parable that uh, we read just a few minutes ago from the book of Luke. So number one reason why it's actually It's foolish to do that, is that it is foolish to think that we own all the rights to our wealth and our possessions. It's foolish for us to think that we have all the rights to those things. Pastor Matt has preached uh, over the years a number of times from the book of Proverbs, and we learn from the book of Proverbs and other places that really the definition of a fool. And the definition of a fool essentially is someone who discounts God. Someone that, has, that rejects God in this life. Someone that has no place for factoring God into their life. That's a real basic definition of a fool. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 lays it out right from the beginning saying, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But in contrast to that, fools despise wisdom and instruction. A fool rejects the knowledge of the Lord, the wisdom and instruction that come with that. 
Again, from the Old Testament, the book of Psalms, chapter 14, verse 1, says, The fool says in his heart, you probably know this one, The fool says in his heart, There is no God. Going back to the parable in Luke, verse 18. Here we have the man who says to himself, I'll just read verse 18 again, and he, and he said, basically, you know, what am I going to do? Well, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. Three times in that one sentence, did you pick it up from the emphasis in my voice, he says, my barns My goods, my grain. Foolish to think that we own the the full rights to all that we have. Under the foolishness of this thinking, really at the base of it lies pride. You know, I've seen this spill out in a lot of different ways, unfortunately in my life, but also in many other people's lives as well. And it doesn't necessarily have to do always with our possessions. It might have something to do with our achievements. I remember very clearly, I've I've spent a good deal of my life in academic settings and uh, have a very vivid memory of when I was in college. I was um, doing my work-study job as a janitor in one of the buildings on campus, and I happened to be uh, around the corner from a conversation that was taking place and I was hidden from view and when I heard who was talking I just kind of stopped. It was uh, my supervisor, my janitorial supervisor who was talking to one of the music professors at at the college. And I'll never forget this music professor raised his voice yelling at my supervisor saying, It's Dr. Brown to you. All the pride came out there. In in other words, what was going on? Look, I spent X number of years earning that degree. I deserve the respect that you're going to give to me. I demand that title of Dr. Brown. And that was at a Christian college. It spills out in a lot of ways, this pride that leads us to think somehow we have ownership of the gifts that God has really given to us. Right from Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning of the Bible, the Bible tells us and sets us straight that we are actually to be stewards of all of creation, stewards of all that God has given us. Where it talks about, God says to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, And everything on the ground. Have dominion. Have stewardship over it. That's a key thing for us to realize. We don't own it. God does. And we are to be his stewards. All that you have, all that I have, is held in stewardship under God's lordship. That is the biblical way of thinking about our possessions and our wealth. Think about it. What's the most precious thing you could have for yourself? Is it not your very life? But also, think about it. Did, did you choose to be born? No. Did you choose life? 
No, that was God's choice. He made you, and he brought you into this life to serve him. If even your very life isn't really your own possession, then what about your savings account? What about your car, your house? It's foolish to think that we own all the rights to our possessions and wealth. That's number one. Number two is it's foolish to think that having bigger and better things is going to bring us peace of mind. I know you've heard this before, but we need the reminder, or at least, at least I need the reminder. It's foolish to think that having bigger and better things is going to bring us peace of mind. Back to the parable in Luke 13. Luke 12, excuse me. What was the man's you know, big dilemma here? His, his land had produced a bumper crop unheard of for him before. So he had this huge abundance. And his dilemma, his big dilemma was, what am I going to do with all this abundance? Do you feel his pain? Do you feel the agony? Well, before we laugh too much, consider your own, your own life and where those agonizing decisions often come. So his solution is, of course, well, I'll build bigger barns and store up all that I have. And store up all that abundance. Verse 19, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry, take it easy. You made it. But the Bible teaches us very clearly that bigger and better things is not the formula for peace of mind. Again, going back to the Old Testament, we can look at the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 5, verse 10, and some of the verses that follow that. I'm just going to read a few from, from that section in Ecclesiastes. Listen to these words of wisdom. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. It's not going to satisfy. Going down a little farther, it says, When goods increase, they increase who eat them. The more you have, the more you have people who want to get it. And finally, the full stomach of the rich man, excuse me, the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. Some words to ponder there. No wonder Jesus told the rich young man who was seeking the kingdom of God. You remember what he told him? He said, sell, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and then you'll have treasure in heaven. The commentator, the Bible commentator, Matthew Henry, said this, The greater the barns, still greater the cares. The more men have, the more perplexity they have with it. Simply put, it's foolish to think that having bigger and better things is going to bring you peace of mind. It doesn't happen with the new iPhone or the latest car. 
That's number two. And the third reason why it's foolish to invest for yourself as a priority over God is that it's foolish to think that success is guaranteed by the strength of our plans. It's foolish to think that success is guaranteed based on the strength of the plans that we make. We prize decisiveness and determination in our culture. And those are good qualities, don't get me wrong. They're good qualities when making any kind of plan. But when we place our trust in our plan rather than in the Lord God Almighty, we become what Jesus said, we become fools. Verse 17 again in the parable. The man says to himself, what, what shall I do? And his solution, verse 18, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. No consideration for God's will. No consideration for what God might have him do with the abundance that he was given. No desire to please God in any way with this. He made his plans as though he was sovereign. He made his plans as though he was fully in control of the outcome of those plans. Basically saying, and do we not do this We may not say it so blatantly, but do we not do this? If my plan is good enough, it'll work. We trust in our plans rather than in the one who actually gives us the ability to make a plan in the first place. Again, the Bible corrects us in this thinking. It speaks to the foolishness of trusting in our plans Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, you may know this one too. The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes or determines his steps. We get our plans together, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's actually the Lord that determines the steps and the outcome. In the New Testament, in James chapter 4, verse 13, James writes, come now, he's writing to business people, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life, James says, for you are a mist that appears for a little while, a little time, and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, James says, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. God has given us the ability to make plans, and that's a wonderful thing that we should use and maximize. But we become fools when we place our trust in those plans rather than in him alone. It is foolish to think success is guaranteed by the strength of our plans, as this man did in the parable that Jesus taught. And the final reason, it's foolish to invest yourself 
in what is temporary over investing yourself in what is eternal. In other words, it's foolish to invest in what's not going to last. I know we've, we've heard this before again, but we need the reminders. Look what happens in verse 20 in the parable again. God comes to the, the rich fool, and he says to him, Dude, you fool, my version. This night, your soul is required from you. And the things you have, who's, who's going to have them then? No matter how tightly this man clings to his plans, no matter how tightly he clings to his very life that he has, no matter how tightly he clings to his peace of mind and the false ease of life that he thinks he's created for himself, the Lord comes and says, tonight I am forcibly going to take all that away from you. It's not yours to begin with. He takes his life away from him, and then, obviously, he's separated from all this that he's been concentrating on. Again, Matthew Henry helps us a little bit here with some language from a couple of generations ago. He says, all that which, excuse me, speaking about people who, who do this, who invest in what is temporary rather than what is eternal, Henry says, all that, all that which they have placed their happiness in and built their hope upon and raised their expectations from, they must leave behind. Sort of to sort of like deliver the knockout blow there in verse 20, God says to the man in the parable, you know, all that stuff that you are working to accumulate for yourself, all that stuff you invested for yourself. Who's going to have it now? Whose will it be now? Good question. Well, we can answer it pretty easily if we, answer, if we think about it for ourselves. It ain't going to be you. You're not going to be around even, no matter how good the plans are that you make, even legalize plans for what you accumulated for yourself, you're not going to be around to ensure that what you would want to have done with that is actually going to happen. What's going to happen with your wealth and possessions, ultimately, it's out of of our control, definitely. So do you see the obvious, utter foolishness the short-sightedness, and really, ultimately, the misery of investing yourself in what is temporary. It is a miserable end. And that's what happens to the man in the parable. Again, the Bible offers us the right pathway. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, the Apostle Paul shares with those Corinthian Christians saying, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or temporary, but the things that are unseen 
are eternal. The missionary Jim Elliott famously once said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. It is foolish to invest yourself in what is temporary over investing yourself in what is eternal. So there we have it. Four reasons why it's foolish to prioritize investing for yourself over investing for God. And there's probably quite a few other reasons that we could throw into that as well. But I saw those embedded in the passage. We need to see them. Now, I don't want to be a fool. And I don't want you to be a fool either. And I don't want our church to be a fool. But more importantly, God doesn't want me to be a fool. He doesn't want you to be a fool. And he certainly doesn't want our church to be a fool. So as we hear God's word, I think there's only one thing for us to do. Let's make a decision, a a spirit-convicted decision right here, right now, that we will always prioritize investing in God's kingdom over investing for ourselves. Let's do that. Will you do that? Let's do that as we, as we close this segment of the service in prayer. Father, it's not that difficult to understand what you've shared with us in your word. The difficulty is in really doing it. Please help us by your spirit to see how this works out when we go home when we talk with our friends and our family, when we think about our money, our possessions, our time, our decisions in life. You have called us by your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and you've not called us to be fools. You've called us to be wise in him, guided by your Holy Spirit. So fill us, I pray, and and. and inspire us and allow us to make the kinds of decisions that will be fully pleasing to you with what you have given to us. In Jesus' name, amen.